How's it going, guys? Uh, this is Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cadabra. Yeah, I wanted to apologize for not really uh, putting out as much content as I should be. Uh, good with the, the two-week promise, you know, episode every know, bi-weekly episodes. Um, this spring and summer has been a really crazy one for me. Uh, I got a new position in forestry. Um, the reason I went back to firefighting is that the um, the ex uh, Ashley and I we broke up, so that was a bit hard being with somebody, living with somebody. Uh, uh, then about a month later, mom passed away. She was battling cancer. It's all very sudden. Well, and then with this new job, new role, I should say, uh, in the district I'm so used to, I've been up here for 11 years, Jesus. Um, it was just a little bit more responsibility. Um, I was working as a single unit, uh, kind of you know, three other guys to work with all the time, like Hellattack. So I was kind of a solo times, and around a lot of people I wasn't comfortable with, so it's been pretty difficult and rough spring and summer, and so I've just been doing with that as much as possible. I did try to record one, uh, one episode, two episodes, with uh, Camp Boss buddy, uh, Will Haley. Hopefully those we can re-record, but if for whatever reason it wasn't working, I was trying a new program, and it didn't record, or recorded, and then erased it, so it was very odd, but leading up to that... We do have content now. I also want to thank Anthony for keeping this podcast going. It's been really hard um, on him, I'm sure. Uh, it's got a new baby. Uh, that's really exciting. And, you know, his uh, support staff has been kind of uh, to get a hold of too. Kyle did a great job. Pick up some slack. Um, you know, it would be, uh, I'm actually eagerly awaiting. I have some new female friends that are listening to the podcast because they're so interested in, you know, um, part of me, they're interested in the fact that I'm on a podcast because I'm with my male friends up here too, but the female friends more so because Greta Hill has a really female-focused uh, podcast, so it's a pretty easy way to be like, oh yeah, I have my podcast, and it's okay, uh, but if you want to listen to something that actually talks to females, uh, you should listen to under 30 podcast with, with Greta. And yeah, she releases some more content. So we can get some more followers. It's always a great thing to have diversity and expand. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm pulling Anthony and I'm rambling on. I just wanted to let you guys know what has been going on in my life and why I haven't been releasing as much. It's also been quite a busy fire season here up north. Um, not so much it's the fires, the St. Bridge Club here in Northern Ontario area, but uh, busy and all the same, we're just you know, waiting for those fires, that's what we're expecting, we just haven't had those sparks, but we have the same dry, dryness and hazard, just no fires like Ontario, BC, or the states at all, but it's been quite, quite busy, so it's been, it's been a hell of a fucking summer, so anyway, without further ado, let me, uh, adieu. Let me introduce Keegan Hind. Keegan is uh, a buddy of mine. I, I knew him back in 2015 and missed that fire season. I was brewing here in Jasper and met him briefly in, in Jasper. He's a really solid guy, really good at telling stories, very soft-spoken, um, very funny. Uh, straight to the point, though, sometimes, too. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't mince words at all. He, to tell you straight up how it was and how it went and everything, so that's why I'm so excited about this two-part series of him talking about how he traveled. He's very well-traveled, he's um, very experienced in budget travel, which I applaud. Um, he biked most of Southeast Asia on a pedal boat, and he sailed a lot of the Oceania uh, area from like New Caledonia, so look that up, oh, from New Zealand to New Caledonia, and then to Asia area, so yeah, check that out, uh, hell of a fucking trek to do, 
very ballsy. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I said, and, uh, too many times. <clears throat> so, yeah, please welcome Keegan Hind and get excited for a crazy, crazy story for a few. Thanks, guys. Uh, oh, so, because Anthony always me- uh, messes it up, uh, my Instagram name is Chalupa Cabra, so C H A L U P A, just like it sounds. Cabra, C A B R A, 5252. So Chalupa Cabra 52 is my Instagram name. If you want to follow me, um, I've got some fun content. I have it as a private account, so just send me a message that you're actually just listening to the podcast and you'd like to follow. I get too many weird accounts from Russian single ladies and stuff, and I don't know, I'm just not about those Russian girls, waiting for the Czech girls to message me. <laughs> Alright, thanks a lot guys, and enjoy this episode. Uh, yeah, also send me messages on that Instagram. Um, let me know what you guys want to hear. Want to hear about more travel, want to hear about more firefighting, what you want to hear about those. Want to hear more brewing, I haven't done a brewing podcast for a long time. Uh, let me know. Be a, a man of the people. So, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for being loyal to the Not After 30 Podcast Nation uh, Network, as well as uh, the Awkward Throw Clear. This is a lot of fun. I hope to dish out a few more episodes. Thank you very much. Enjoy, guys. <coughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, au- the, <coughs> the Awkward Throat Clear. Now, here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How long have you just been in Australia, New Zealand? I think I counted nine months. Nine months, wow. Between between the two? Yeah, because I I tree planted after my, my fire season in twenty fifteen. I went down and was basically glorified landscaping. It was with a Canadian couple who was basically using Canadian techniques, but doing it down there so it wasn't forestry or clear cut or anything it was, mm-hmm. it was more like new construction sites and um yeah between brisbane and sydney i was working there and then after that was tasmania for a couple months and then i think five months in new zealand oh shit so all in all it was about nine months i didn't get a chance to go to tasmania i was really gutted about that because mm. I, I did seven months in australia and new zealand new zealand i did one Okay. And then I did six months in Australia. I worked at a, a brew pub for three months. Yeah. And, yeah, I never got to go to Uluru. And I never went to uh, Tasmania, which I kicked myself in the ass for. But I was just running out of cash. go back, dog. That's all yep, it means. No, exactly. I've got a bunch of friends that I post me, and that wouldn't be a problem at all. Yeah. Uh, well, I pulled a sneak one on you. We're recording right now. It's all right. <laughs> no, Tazzy. Oh, man, Tazzy's so cool. I wish everyone could go down there. It's awesome. Oh, it looks gorgeous. And it's so funny because all the Aussies make fun of them just because it's like there's a little island just south. But it's like, you go there, it's gorgeous. Why wouldn't you go? The wildlife's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, me biking there, the amount of roadkill is like a dead wallaby or a dead paddy melon, like every hour. What's a paddy melon? It's like a smaller wallaby. I mean, okay. everything, everything there hops, right? Everything, everything's a hopping thing. I don't remember what's Except lower. the Tasmanian devils that just go in like a big circle everywhere. Yeah. It's a tornado. I don't remember the tiniest ones, but it goes potteroo. Okay. Patamelon, wallaby, and then kangaroo. Yeah. I think Tassie has a kangaroo called like the forester's kangaroo or something like that. Okay. It's a little bit smaller. No eastern greys. No. Okay. No, yeah. they don't have any they get, they get, they, Those get really big. In the western reds, I've seen those fuckers around. Yeah? When I was out west, yeah. Um, they, they weren't the ones my... So there's a couple there that friends of friends knew, and I went to go stay with them. There's a place called Dokken. Dokken. And it was near, um, what's it called? Bustleton? I want to say it was Bustleton. I can't remember those places' names because I didn't hang out in those places too long. Mm-hmm. I think it was Bustleton. And there's a farming community, and they had two little joeys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. they'd, they'd carry them in the, the, the mom, uh, Helen, <clears throat> she'd carry them in her apron. Wow. And they'd just jump in like yeah. a little pouch, yeah. and then to go to bed, they would have the, the pillowcase, and they'd do like a little somersault, <laughs> and the one would actually suck his thumb. What? Yeah, it was pretty funny. They're cool, man. So I got to play around with them and stuff, play tag, and you tap the one and run away, and they'd chase you, and so I catch you. where was, like, which state was this? Is this? This is the West, West Australia. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Right down south, not too far away from, like, 
Perth or um, Margaret River, if you know those areas. Yeah. Not too, too far away. Maybe like, it'd be like a, a three-hour drive from Margaret River and maybe uh, an hour and a half, uh, maybe two hours from Perth. That's cool. Man. Yeah. No, it was cool out there. And what's really interesting is with their farmers, they would do the math. And they would call each other and let, them, let each other know that it's too hot or too dry to combine or they do the, do the grain collecting. Okay. Not like up here where they're just like, fuck it, we'll burn. Right. right. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, this is so interesting. It's like it's a committee of farmers and they'll call each other and they all agree. It's like, I'm like, well, how do you guys agree on that? And this is like, oh, well, we just don't want to burn our like, you know, crop down. Like that seems so silly. And it gets that dry where yeah. if you're heating up things enough, they you can heat an ember up and then all of a sudden it takes off and then you lose half your crop and you burn down your neighbor's place or whatever. Like you don't want that in your conscience. 100%. I'm like, fuck, that makes sense. Good yeah. for you guys. I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, welcome to Not 30 podcast listeners. This is Aaron Chalupa, the Chalupa Cabra. Uh, this is the awkward throw clear. <laughs> it's kind of—I forgot to explain this to you. Now, now everyone's gonna have to hear. It's kind of like an ode to uh, Zach Galifianakis in between two ferns. I've only seen a couple. Yeah, I don't know. It's—it's just like the same kind of title there. So it's like awkward throat clear because <laughs> at some point in an interview you're gonna try to clear clear your throat. So yeah, that's what we do. Anyway, I'm here with my friend uh, Keegan Hyde. Uh, Keegan, say hello to the listeners. Hi everybody. It's a—it's uh, a breezy day. Here in Fort Vermilion, uh, Hamlet of Alberta. Uh, very hazy. All those fires from BC are putting off lots of smoke. And yeah, we're, we're, we're just, we decided to record a podcast. Keegan, you guys had a flight recently to go check out a fire in the, the caribous. How, how was that? We sure did. It's smoky enough that pretty much had to get on top of this fire to realize it was a couple hundred hectares big and we didn't <laughs> see it for the whole flight and had it have been a clear day you would have seen it probably 30 miles out mm-hmm. so yeah it's quite smoky right now no it's and that's what happens uh with the uh hang on i'm gonna pause this maybe have an issue sorry that i just had to make sure that we didn't have any technical difficulties it was recording from the phone but it wasn't recording from the mic so that could have been really bad <laughs> anyway uh yeah so we're done with this fire so yeah it's kind of funny how um with this smoke this much smoke it's actually actually quite dangerous and this has happened many times up here before is if you get so much smoke uh the towers or the patrols can be very ineffective at times mm-hmm. because you can't see through it uh all this all this haze where you'd normally see you know uh, one tree wonder or point zero five or even a, a hectare fire from miles away uh, but with this haze it kind of acts almost like a camouflage or like you're trying to spot a deer in the dark or something like that 100 you just, could but it's gonna be very difficult you just can't see it and then all of a sudden it just appears yeah and then by that time it's usually too late to try to get a real hold on it so yeah they decided to to let it go um it's going to the national park uh wood buffalo and yeah it's just part of the natural life cycle of the forest to let a fire burn and and that's what i was saying too i was just like it's a good thing i was like guys it's pretty awesome we're looking at a wildfire it's a couple hundred hectares and it's meant to be here and that's pretty cool you know oh it's not threatening anything there's nothing for miles and miles and miles and no it's just good it's it's good not worrying about human life's all right oh we have somebody here oh hi carla Hey guys, <laughs> Carla Hayday, ladies and gentlemen, Carla Hayday, and Alex Saavedra. He's leaving. We Who got cares? the we got hack two here now. We got hack two minus B. Locke, Blake Hayes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Keegan, we're we're talking about uh, traveling, and that's mainly what I've been. Uh, the, I want the, the this what is the word here? The focus of our conversation to be. You're a very well traveled man. Um, I like to think I'm a quite uh, well traveled person as well. I've not been to the diverse locations that you have been. Mine has been more concentrated to uh, Australia and say Europe and mm-hmm. then Canada itself. But uh, let's start from the beginning. You being born in yeah. Yukon Territory. <laughs> How about that? Parent uh, parents are uh, a cow town Calgarian there, and yep. then your mom's from Nova Scotia. Is she from uh, Windsor as well? No, she's from Cape Breton. She's, oh, she's just, a caper. Yeah, she's oh. just on the other side of the causeway. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So she's one of the ones that's trying to blow up the causeway to be a true uh, independent yeah, nation just, of Cape know, Breton and not Nova Scotia. Just keep it an island, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. When I came home um, from being abroad for a couple of years, my dad actually told me that he, coming out of St. Effects um, school, 
had two first job options. Oh. One of them being in Mayo, Yukon, where I was inevitably born. The other one being in a place called Pollywog, Nova Scotia. I've heard of Pollywog. Have you? It's yeah. a pretty place. Blake told me the other day, he's like, Pollywog, there's nothing going on there. But it's a pretty place. But it's pretty crazy to hear my parents, you know, so many years later being like, yeah, you were potentially just going to be born and raised in Nova Scotia the entire time. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was I was born in the Yukon, lived there until I was five. And then we moved to uh, a town called Bowdoin, Alberta. Mm-hmm in southern Alberta and lived there for a couple of years and then we inevitably moved to Nova Scotia. My mom's sister actually uh, was diagnosed with leukemia and so that was enough for us to move there. My mom basically supported her until she passed away and we just lived in the Nova Scotia ever since. And with uh, this leaves my train of thought here. What, what did your dad do for work? Teacher. He's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an interesting move to go all the way to the Yukon. My dad was right. a teacher, but he went from Edmonton to, to Manning. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is just, you know, a few hours north. Yeah. Not a few, but a couple few. Uh, but yeah, not, not as extreme as to say so, yeah, from Calgary was... to the Yukon. And then how did your parents meet? They met in Antigonish, Nova Scotia at St. FX. Okay, um, that makes Not sense. actually St. FX. My dad went to school there. St. Martha's... Um, nursing school i guess you'd call it okay uh it's run by the nuns oh and my mom was your mom was a nun my mom basically <laughs> from the time she was a small child was educated by nuns so basically all of elementary school middle school and high school she was taught by nuns which are pretty strict she said growing up and then she went to um she went to Antigonish, which is quite a catholic um community and she did her nursing there. Okay. And so they met in the same town. And she was swept away by a cowboy with spurs. Swept away, I guess you could say. <laughs> however, right off my, into the sunset. however, my dad managed to woo her. They're, they're quite different, so it was interesting. That is interesting. It is yeah. kind of funny how things like that work. Yeah. That's all right. And, you know, talking about how you could have been uh, born and raised in Nova Scotia throughout, but then you also had this mix of Yukon and Alberta. Mm. Do you find that really changed you a whole lot at all? For sure. Yeah? 100%. How so? Well, I definitely just, uh, you know it when you grow, when you meet somebody who is born and raised in Nova Scotia or the Maritimes in general. Mm -hmm. And I know, I can just tell that I'm not truly as maritime as some of the people. Blake, for instance, Mm -hmm. Blake is very much a small town Nova Scotia person. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that by his culture and his accent, everything about him. Of course. Me, just like, it's all about the exposure. I was just exposed to Northern Canada Mm -hmm. from a very early age. I realized what minus 50 degree winters were, right? And then Alberta, I don't know, I was young during this time, but it's just like, I just know that it shaped me, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just quite different places. You have the West... And you have the east. Yep. And that's what it is. Well, I find there's quite a large population of Maritimers in the north as well, obviously because of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was going to say this too. It's not a negative thing, but I find when I talk to you, it's a little bit different than talking to the other Maritimers that work up here because uh, you have a kind of a, a quirkiness to you, which I have met from people that have lived for a long time in the Yukon or the Northwest Territories. Mm. And it's just like, yeah. it's just. And uh, another thing too is I find that you, well, it, this isn't true because Carrie, but I find with a lot of Nova Scotian, uh, uh, well, blue nosers, let's say, mm-hmm. is that they have that urge to always go back home. Home is the greatest place ever. Um, you know, God's country. You know, got to go back home. I miss home. Like, oh yeah, these mountains are some nice, but you know, oh, I just got to go back home. And you know. You know, I've been to Nova Scotia a few times, and I find it gorgeous. But you know, I'm like, oh, you know, the mountains are really nice here too, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like, how can you say that? And it seems with you is that, yeah, Nova Scotia is home, and it's gorgeous and everything. But it's like you're not rooted down in the ground. Like you can go almost anywhere. It's just like, oh, well, frick, like Nepal is gorgeous. Uh, you know, this one uh, surf town in Australia is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. New Zealand is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, go to Stewart's Island. Like that's gorgeous. Oh my god. So. It, it's. It, I find it interesting where you know the boys will always talk like, "Oh yeah, I need to go back home. I need to go back yeah. home." You're like, "Well, I'm gonna go off to Africa and then maybe South America and then I'm just gonna hang out in Mongolia for a month." You know, <laughs> like it's it's not like you yeah. need to be back in Nova Scotia to like recharge or something. For sure, like that. and that's and that's the thing. Like you talk to Blake, you talk to Matt Allen, those They're guys turn into a pumpkin if they don't go back to Nova and, Scotia. Yeah, and it's and I almost feel like, fuck, I get it. Of course, I I, I love Nova Scotia and. 
and I, 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 I can see myself living there if I wanted to. And that's the thing. I think maybe because I wasn't so rooted there from basically the beginning, mm-hmm. that maybe that's why I'm not. I am super envious of the West, you know, like we have the ocean, but you guys have the ocean and you got mountains sitting on top of those friggin' oceans. And that's just so, yeah, that's awesome. That's such a luxury. Yeah. yeah I don't know why it is, but I'm, my sister, for instance, she's rooted. She'll be probably living most, if not all of her life in Nova Scotia. And she's younger than you by a she's, couple years? But yeah, like three years. Okay. Yeah. I'm just assuming. I just think that she's a, she's quite a homebody, mm-hmm. and I think that's another thing is that she was younger than I was when she you know when we moved to Nova Scotia. So I think she just really is sort of cultured around the East Coast. Now, would you say that's more like, like you say culture? Would you say that's the culture of the Maritimes that's so um, uh, addictive, or possibly the family just having that family presence around and like you know family's everything. Hang out with family. What's the family doing on the weekend? Uh, you have a cottage to go to every summer, something like that, or could it be just um, you know, just just the location itself. I think it's a bit of both. A bit of everything, eh? Yeah, I think it's small town. Like every every part of Canada has its small towns for sure. Oh God, yeah, I grew up yeah. in Grimshaw, twenty six hundred people. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So when we're thinking of that, I don't think it it necessarily applies too much. I think it is sort of just like it's the location as well as the people. Mm-hmm. What's the line? There's a great line. It's like Maritimes, like good people tough times or something like that you know <laughs> yeah fuck yeah yeah i don't know exactly what it is but something about that it's the oh, it's the people that are just they're so down to earth and you'll find that in grimshaw it's not like grimshaw and other small towns don't have that i don't know what it is well every small town is similar in a way yeah like, you know everyone has those jokes and stuff i think that's why corner gas was so popular mm. from coast to coast sure it's about a prairie town in saskatchewan but what's a prairie town in saskatchewan uh, that different compared to a prairie town in northern Alberta, for sure. Though. Or uh, you know, a farming community, fruit community in Nova, in Nova Scotia, or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. So yeah, I hear you that for sure. Carly, do you have anything to to add to that? Being from even smaller town, Rocky Lane. Uh, no, I think uh, <laughs> what you what you guys are talking about sounds pretty true. From um, yeah, it kind of makes me think about. Uh, something that I heard some East Coasters say is that they liked it here because they found that their people were down to earth as well, mm. and it reminded them of home. I don't know if that's true because I've never been there. But. Well, I think that would be a thing with uh, most town people is that it's less busy. You know, like oh, you always got time. You know, always got time to have a have a say or something like that. You'll see that all the time when people are driving around uh, on the, the range roads or something like that. Mm. They'll put their arm up and they'll mm. stop and they'll have a big say and they'll hold up like three <laughs> tractors and cow crossing or something like that just to have a say yeah uh and like city life is just busy 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 rush 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 kind of so i'm sure that from coast to coast to coast everyone can appreciate you know a small town lifestyle where and that could be that could be another thing is our big city is halifax not that big in the grand scheme of things so you can have tiny little you know towns in alberta but then you still have massive calgary and edmonton you know and red deer and Grand Prairie, even. Grand Prairie is almost 100,000, I'd say. Yeah, so that's that's mm-hmm. like that's like half of Halifax right there, mm-hmm. you know? So even our when we're going to the big city or the big shitty, <laughs> we're, we're still really not, really, compared to other places. Oh, man, I remember driving my first time in Halifax. It was such a scene. Driving, with, driving a standard for, like, my first time. I forget why oh, I was geez. forced to have to do it, but, like... To probably you guys who've had to experience Edmonton at some points in your life, like that would be nothing new. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I remember my first time driving Edmonton. Yeah. 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 And I talk to people and they're like, It's a grid. No, it's easy. It's awesome. You just once you figure out the grid, it's no problem. It's like can't even find my way out of this city. (laughs) (laughs) If I just keep driving straight, I'll eventually hit the deer foot and it's like that's in Calgary. And then it's like, Oh no, you gotta go over here to go onto the ramp. (laughs) What what's a ramp? (laughs) (laughs) We don't have those up here. Sometimes when I get down there after spending like a considerable amount of time up at home and you've been driving for hours and hours and you finally get close to Edmonton and like without thinking, I kind of just assume that there's some sort of an event happening or like a wedding or I'm like, oh, where's everyone going? Is there a fair? Right. What's happening in town? (laughs) It's just Wednesday at the rush hour. I've never seen double merge lanes for the first time. Oh, It just boggled my mind. just thought it was the most unsafe Double merge lanes? Are you kidding me? That's it. I'm pulling over. You're jumping in the front seat. <laughs> Double lane roundabouts. I'm, I'm responsible enough to say that this is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> the worst for me was when I came back from Australia. 
Oh, yeah? So used to driving on the other side. Oh, yeah? And then I come to Alberta, and I'm just like, holy fuck. (laughs) It's like, I need a time to readjust here. I won't speak of how many uh, illegal driving maneuvers I performed, but it was not pretty. Yeah. I've gotten a few birds flipped at me, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's fully driving on the left side of the road. Oh, completely. (laughs) It's just like, what are you guys doing? Get out of the way. Peck our head. And that was the same thing when I first started driving in Australia, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. They probably think I'm drunk. Yeah. I didn't do too much driving when I was in Oz and, and New Zealand. The first time I did, though, my Canadian friend had just bought a used Subi, like a wagon. Awesome car. He named it Sherman. Oh, perfect. And so he's like, Keegs, I, I need a favor. I just bought a car named Sherman. Um, and it's in it's in downtown Brisbane right now. And I was like, okay. You want, like, he's like... I honestly didn't do my due diligence, bud, and it's a standard, and I oh, can't no. drive stick. And I was like, are you kidding me, Mills? And so he's like, I need you to go pick it up. And so leaving downtown Brisbane with this old 86, I think it was, Subi wagon. Wow. So the big thing for me wasn't having, it wasn't the left lane as much as everything in the car is now different. So now I'm like, shift with slam, the left hand. exactly, I'm slamming my hand against the door to try to shift gears. And it's like, oh, whoops, <laughs> wrong hand putting on the blinkers i just put the wipers on everything yeah. that's what i had a hard time with yeah yeah thankfully mine was an automatic i had a an i do holden commodore executive vp and it was uh ned after ned kelly oh nice i even had a sticker that i put on it and it says such is life i had a little like cartoon caricature of cool. him shooting yeah i know we had holden. a good time me and ned we even do like uh trivia uh, trivia nights at certain pubs or hostels. Oh, and nice. Our, and my group's name was always Driving Ned. <laughs> we never won anything, though, sadly, but we had a we had a cracker of a time. That's cool. Oh. You ever heard, like, Aussies make fun of Holden and just say it's it's a car company that's just holding it together? <laughs> <laughs> they must be Ford fans. That's the funny thing here, like, in Canada and the United States, we have, like, what, three major domestic companies? GM, which owns Chevy, but then you... Um, what are, the other, what are the other ones? GM, Dodge would be their domestic truck, but who owns them? Chrysler? Yeah. And then you also have Ford. Right. Those are the three big domestics, but then you go to Australia and like, you lose Chrysler. And it's just Holden and Ford. And right. then imports galore. Yeah. Lots well, of, lots of Toyotas. Though, aren't they? They've got that one brand with the lion picture on it. I've heard it's called. And that's all, you look at the seatbelt buckles and stuff, and it's all Chevy parts. Oh, yeah. That would be Holden. Holden is um, Rajot, which is oh, Renault. Sorry, wow. Renault and Peugeot. Peugeot? Peugeot? I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know cars that well until I watched a few episodes yeah, of Top Gear. You're over my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of the same. Um, yeah, that's it goes into an even bigger conversation about how everything's kind of owned by the same companies. Yes. Like, like Woolworths in Australia. Woolies. Woolies. Like Woolworths owns what a brewery gauge is it is a gauge town brewery in in australia and i was like what Woolworths? how does it it'd be like <laughs> that'd be like if tgp owned a, a company a, a brewery and i was like that's so odd but then Woolworths is owned by somebody i think target owned coles or something everyone owned a bigger company yeah, or yeah. a bigger company owned every other smaller company it just makes sense in today's world with our companies and our capitalism it just makes sense might as well keep it as a company, for sure. Trickle down. We're just going to own it. A little, little pyramid. You know, Walmart's up top here, and they own these guys yeah. and those guys and those guys. Pepsi owns these guys and these guys. And these right. Guys. Yeah. <clears throat> so kind of getting back on the, the, main, the train of thought. <laughs> See, this is what's so fun is that we just go off on that, and it's mm-hmm. fine because we're not, we're, not, we're not a very professional podcast. Or at least I'm not. I'm not going to say speak for, not after 30, but for the Clear, <laughs> we just go over the fucking map. Um, so growing, so you grew up in Yukon, then Alberta, so you moved over to Nova Scotia, and you're about, what, eight? I don't know, I'm not really good with, with age as much as grades. I was really thinking of age as a thing, man. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> I trying was just to say. my younger self. That's what I'm trying to say. I didn't even have self then. <laughs> um, I think I was grade four when I moved. Grade to, four, okay. So what is that? Uh, you'd be like 10, 11, maybe, okay. I think. I spent a fair amount of time in Alberta, I didn't know. Kindergarten, one, two, and three. Yeah. Four years. Yeah, they just brought over that Alberta mindset. Yeah. Uh, how are you going, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> I love Angus. <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't even know what those 
like I didn't even know what pump jacks were and I didn't even ask any questions like it was just like it's just normal life just a thing that you saw and then I just went to Nova Scotia and never saw it again and then every time I visited my family in Calgary it was just like oh look at that still didn't ask still didn't even ask what they were so it was just like right on those things are there again that's cool see those every now and again when you're driving trying to see those things moving means there's money going right 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 so would you say that growing up in a smaller community in uh, like more rural settings uh, throughout Yukon, Alberta, Nova Scotia maybe gave you more of an inclination to go up and travel and explore the world? It could have. It could have. I think probably one of the biggest reasons that I was able to do that is because I'm a privileged white individual. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that's a big reason that I was able to do it. Well, definitely in a, in a country like Canada where the passport is, you know, like people have told me, sorry to interrupt, but people no. have told me while traveling, um, you know, oh, I'd love to go here, but the visa costs me too much money yeah. or I can't go there. Like you have a, an Israeli passport, you probably can't go to a few Muslim countries, sadly, yes. you know, or, or if you have the stamp mm -hmm. of visiting Israel there, because mm -hmm. for a long time, if you went to Cyprus, you couldn't go to one side. Yeah, if I remember, you had a stamp from Greece, you couldn't go to the Turkish side. Yeah, yeah, I talked to a Greek girl, same thing, yeah, she told me that. I met a Lebanese guy who said it's just it's just hell, trying to get around when he needs to, and he'll just be, like, stuck in a country, just trying to work out basically how he's allowed to exit it, you know? So yeah. It took him long enough to get into it, and then he has to figure out how he's going to get out of it, and which country he's going to... Just even to get flights, it's like I can't do flights because I can't stop over at any of these places because I'm not allowed to yeah. step foot in their country kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So you got to work around that, yeah. No, you're right. A nation and then religion. Religion, sadly, takes a, a huge toll on people's travel just because it's like church and state, yep. essentially. Yep. But yeah, no, so I, I think a lot of Canadians or even people in the Commonwealth take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Or in Europe, you know, if you have a European passport, you're free to go almost anywhere. Lucky Pete. Yeah, Pete does. Pete is lucky. He knows it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say, like, there's a good chance. I think if I was, if I grew up in a city, then I'd have more of a city bubble. And I think that I haven't, I haven't, I've been lucky enough to not sort of be trapped in a, like, a bubble of ignorance as much. Mm -hmm. But then again, you could see the same thing with small towns. There's definitely people that are, I have oh, friends that will never, ever leave, you know, Windsor Falmouth area. Yeah. What, about, what are you talking about, leave the county? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, why? Like, go to Halifax, maybe? Go, go see a Mooseheads game? Maybe they'll go to Halifax, <laughs> you're right. But it's like, I don't think I need to. The chili peppers are coming. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. It's hard to say. Would you say maybe possibly uh, your parents as well? Maybe uh, raise you in the sense that maybe traveling is good? Because your mom took a big step to go to Yukon. They did take a big step. Your dad seemed to hop around the country quite a lot. Yeah, no, they definitely, they definitely took some big chances and some big moves within their country. And I'd say they're just nothing but supportive in almost anything I did, so that definitely played a major influence. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if maybe you'd want to travel. And I haven't traveled that much, don't get me wrong. I traveled for a prolonged period for quite a while on one, you know, sort of one one trip. I've done a few backpacking trips before my my biggin, if you will. But it wasn't since 2015 that I really, I would say that I was a true person that wanted to to be abroad and to, you know see and experience other places on earth so is that 2015 before you started your fire season or 2015 after 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 yeah okay so that was after you went to mcft as well for the one year yeah okay cool this is true mcft uh maritime college of forest technologies for those who do not know because we have listeners from all over the world mind you. well said if people just butcher mcft so bad people just like don't say it properly at all there's like mfc i don't know it's some place it's Fredericton, a maritime <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, and I, I do take it with a great pride. A lot of the Maritimers, like Carrie McLean and Blake Hayes, uh, Matt Allen, have given me lots of props and kind of dubbed me an unofficial Maritimer or Nova Scotian. Even uh, Joe Lyon and Terry Jessman were fooled from me hanging out with those guys early season and picking up the accent a little yeah. bit. I was like, oh, whereabouts are you from in the Maritimes? I'm like, Grimshaw? <laughs> like, no, no, like, you, you, but you went to school out there or something. No, just yeah. visit and hang out with these guys all the time. They're, Oh, it makes me happy. I'm like, like oh. When was the first time you went to Nova Scotia? Uh, well, I was young. Uh, we did. A, we actually did a trip across Canada. We, parents uh, decided we were going to go on this big trip, and my mom said, well, we're not going to go on the trip until uh, we buy ourselves a better vehicle. So we bought ourselves a 2002 Honda Odyssey, brand spanking new, so we drove it right across the country from Grimshaw to Edmonton, across the country, all the way to a PEI, and then turned around and came back. Because my dad's a teacher, or right. was a teacher, so... 
we uh, yeah we took two months off and just went right across the whole country. Did it in the summer? Yep. Yeah, right yeah. On. I think when did we when did we leave? We must have left probably around. Uh, oh yeah, no, I actually remember vividly now. Uh, we were in Vermilion uh, for not for Vermilion, but Vermilion yeah. for Canada Day, and visiting some of our friends who were, who are, were from Nova Scotia, or the, yeah. so the dad is, and then we actually met met them in, uh, later on in Nova Scotia to say hi because they flew over. They didn't That's drive. They awesome. flew over to say hey because he wanted to go visit some of his family members. So it worked out really, really well. Good family friends of ours, uh, the Fishers, very, very decent folk. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was going from grade six to grade seven. So I would have been twelve. I turned thirteen that summer when we were traveling. I think I had my birthday in PEI. Awesome. With one of my childhood friends, Jordan Shea. We were hanging out in Kintura, the Kink, the Vatican big church for this small town. That's cool. Yeah. So that's when I first found Nova Scotia. And I got, you know, I couldn't even, like, I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of there for the ride as a kid. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this and this and this. But, like, we got to the city or to the town, and I knew more stuff about it. Like, right. Halifax, you know, the Citadel, Citadel Hill, Fort Louisburg, all that kind of stuff. Like, I knew that stuff because I was so interested in Canadian history. Uh -huh. Quebec City, you know, Plains of Abraham, all that kind of stuff. But from, like, going from, like, small island, like Peggy's Cove, or sorry, small town to small town, Peggy's Cove, or going to the valley or anything. I, I didn't pay attention at all. I didn't know where we were going. We are in Cape Breton. I'm like, oh, Cape Breton's just Cape Breton. It's one just big giant town, essentially. That's yeah. me at 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. So it wasn't until I graduated in 2008 where I flew to Moncton, and then I got a train from Moncton to Halifax. And then from Halifax, I got onto this um, maxi van um, traveling uh, okay. crew. Like, you just... You pay your ticket, and they drive you around, and they show you certain spots and everything. So I'm like, oh, fuck, well, I'll do that. Yeah. And then we went from Halifax to uh, Cape Breton, drove around Cape Breton, and then stopped in PEI as well, and I just hopped off there, met up with my buddies, hung up PEI for a few, well, how long? I actually stayed there for probably about two weeks, which was way too much time in PEI. I just, <laughs> I just, wanted, to, I just wanted to hang out with my buddy Jordan so much because I hadn't yeah. seen him in years. And then I went to Ile de la Madeleine, Madeleine Islands, which oh, was yeah. gorgeous. That was really cool. And then I had aspirations, you know, I, I went up to Newfoundland, only hung out in the Avalon Peninsula, Peninsula, but I had aspirations to go to the rest of the province and St. Pierre and Miquelon. Oh, yeah. But, it would, which are two islands that belong to France, which I hear is just really cool to check out. It's pretty much France. Like, they've really kept the culture there. Yeah. They send uh, students to, you know, for their high school to go to France, like, to keep Parisian French in their, you know, that's cool. Their accent, and you know, they use the euro. Orange juice is cheaper than sorry. Orange juice, orange juice is more expensive than vodka. All that kind of stuff. It's very interesting. It'd be cool if I went there to learn French. People wouldn't even. They wouldn't even. A lot of people don't even know about that. They no, have, no. Like, they, like you can drive French to territory France. territory islands. Yeah, I, I honestly wish that it, it would be cheaper to fly there because it could be really like Canada's Mexico. Vodka's cheaper than orange juice in France. Yeah. See. Yeah, most of the time, most booze is cheaper than uh, than the actual like beverage, non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage. Especially if you go to Eastern Europe too. Yeah, go visit your family in Ukraine, Carla. Yeah. You just get all this leave of say. We'll just, we'll just get you loaded. <laughs> Carla's gonna go to Saint Pierre Miquelon for wine. Never come <laughs> back. <laughs> Raise some horses. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that was my first time as an adult. I was 19 when I went up there, which it worked out perfectly because I was the drinking age. Yeah, but, oh, man, I had such a time, and it was just good hanging out with everybody. And then I've, I've honestly learned more about rural Nova Scotia and the Maritimes from the Maritimers coming out here for firefighting than anything else. Yeah. It's just been talking with you guys, and it's like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the valley. Well, where does the valley extend? Oh, well, you know, Windsor's in there, and then you got, the you know, Windsor's, like, on Berwick. the council. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you got canning and all these other places and stuff. So I'm like, oh, I've never heard of these heard of these spots before. Like, you know, Kentville is just outside, I'd say, maybe. Kentville's in it. In, in, in it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you got all these different spots. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, one of my oldest buddies, one of the original, I guess I say original Maritimers in the time that I've worked up here for these 11 years, Tommy Lutz, who's from Berwick. And Matt Allen just grew up uh, down the road from him. They knew each other as kids, and they were, they both were yeah they both were on my uh, uh, on my rookie year crew. Tommy was my leader, and then Matt was the sub leader. But I knew Tommy for years beforehand when I was a fire patrolman. 
So that's what. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So that's what initially sparked my interest about the Maritime so much. And then I went again, and I drove across Canada, and then drove to Florida for a buddy's wedding. And okay. So re uh, reestablished myself in the Maritimes once more. stuff over. Yeah, and then I'm going again this October for Sean Gills' wedding. Another, yeah. Another uh, classic forestry worker from the Maritimes. Caper. Caper. Yeah. Yeah, from Glace Bay. Oh, he's a solid dude, so that'll be really good as well. So I'll spend two weeks in Nova Scotia. So if you're there in October, maybe we'll have to have a say. Knows, yeah. Have a time. I might be there. Oh. Yeah, Carlos, Carlos going down. Too. Amy, Amy and her rode down. In the oh night. my goodness, that's you reckon? Because uh, you, because you made a list with uh, with uh, everyone getting tips, right? Right now, yeah. I've, I've got and a you list. did, you didn't actually go last year, so you're postponing it to this year, right? Eh? No, this year was always the plan. Oh, it was this year that was the plan. Yeah, okay. Well, what time are you going? Sorry, sorry, everyone. We're just making a plan here. <laughs> whenever they cut me loose, I'm going to go west first, see my mom on Vancouver Makes Island, sense, and then yeah. we're going to track the full, full oh, distance across yeah. Nova Scotia. Keep, keep, uh, keep us posted, because I'll be there from mid-October till the end of October. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to dip my foot in each ocean. Arctic is the only one I need to do. See how long it takes to get from one ocean to the other. Have you done Indian Ocean yet? No, no, I mean, oh, you're a long way to go. Canada. Oh, oh, I gotcha, gonna, I gotcha. We're going to have a long road trip in there, so I wonder how long it'll be. You'll, you'll, have to get a, you'll have to get, like, a map of Canada, and then have, like, your right foot dipped in the in Pacific <laughs> Ocean, and on the other side of the map is your left foot dipped in the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. That'd be the way to do it. Uh, Drinking a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd, be, that'd be actually a really cool picture. Do you know the loops? If, um... If Walsh, if if Matt Allen and Tommy Lutz, for instance, knew Walshy, yeah, they, yeah, they, they did. I, I think they all kind of grew up together. Walsh is obviously much younger. Yeah, but yeah, Walsh and uh, Tommy Lutz is like uh, if they grew, it's just a small ass town. Well, and they both have apple orchards, so they know each other, right? Tom, Tom yeah. is one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Lutz family apple orchard. So yeah, they knew yeah. they knew each other. Like uh, Tom, I think is probably about three years older than Walsh, and I think a year older than Matt Allen. So yeah, they 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 definitely knew each other growing up. Right. Sure. I, I, Where's Walshy? He's Berwick, Berwick area. Same as Matt Allen was uh, Dempsey Corner technically. Just go farther down, Nova Scotia. Further down. Further down Valley. Yeah. What were we on about there? Traveling. I was talking about the Maritimes and the you know, honorary Maritimer. That's fine. Yeah, and I was curious, like, when you, yeah, both your non-adult life and your adult life. Oh, and I've always had a huge love for Canada itself. Like, yeah. I just want to explore it all. I only have technically for visiting. Uh, I'd love to explore more Newfoundland, and I have never been to Labrador, mind you. But, Nobody has. <laughs> but to actually go to the Yukon and none of it, then I would have uh, the whole country wrapped up. Right on. Yeah, so that is the goal one of these days. Now that I have, you know, there's Dave Leakstrup at the Yukon, and then Kirk Vandale, ex Attack, and then one of my childhood friends lives up there now, too. I've got a whole whole swath of people. See, they know what's up. They know what's good. Sean, I'm Yeah, up in Cape Breton. I've got so many friends in Nova Scotia. I can't wait to go. It's going to be fun. Maybe one day open a brewery there. Pipe dreams. Pipe dreams, indeed. So, went to school for a year. Wasn't your, your thing for Forest Technologies. Mm -hmm. uh, then you went traveling. Where did you go traveling to? Um... Yeah, like after, so... You had a, a killer fire season. It was, it was. Millions of dollars. And that's what I can thank MCFT for. It gave me exposure to wildfire and gave me the job, right? Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't finish the school, I still, mm -hmm. you know, that exposure got me into this job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, it was, I left these guys mid-September of 2015. And by the 1st of October, I was tree planting in Australia. And killer. I just continued and you found that job from uh, forestry or no um my partner uh, at the time she had and i don't know how i think she had a tree planting canadian friend who knew the canadian couple that was starting a tree planting business down in australia she had done it for a couple months and then she did the canadian season tree planting while we were doing our fire season in 2015 and then we both went down and so she worked the second time and i worked the first time for this company called oh. Timberwolf in, in Australia. And she's from Nova Scotia? Nope, she's from, no, she's from London. England? London, nope, Ontario. Ontario. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, she went to school in Guelph. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, 
after after 2015, I pretty much just did some work, and then 2016 was travel. So I made a little bit more piggy bank after my fire season down there, and then I did two months of cycle tour in Tasmania. Wow. And then... Got on a bike and just pedaled around the whole. Pretty state. much, pretty much. Unbelievable. So, when I was in Brisbane, I, I got a bike there. I named her Olive. She was Olive Green. Oh. Um, and it was basically a Frankenstein bike. The bike shop's really cool. They really just take street bikes. And, and she just... was more unique than all of the other bikes. Well done. Yes. She was. We had some tough times, Olive and I, man. She was. She was a tough. She wasn't meant to be a. She wasn't meant to be a cycle touring bike by any means, <laughs> especially where we went to. Um, it just had parts put together to make her run and she just ran just enough that she could bike around. So too easy. I did two months in Tasmania with her and then I did another about three months in the South Island of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. We biked the wild, wet, west coast of the South Island. Yeah. It rained every fucking day. Like just pissed. Brutal. Oh, it's all right. It's what it's meant to be. That's the climate. <laughs> that's the climate there. Oh, easy going, King. Oh well, that's yeah. not supposed to happen. <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, well. It was tough. It sucked setting up the the tent almost every night in rain. That was pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love the South Island. I thought it had a lot more character than the North Island. They're they're pretty different. South yeah. Island just feels like it's a small island with just a fucking mountain range in the middle of it, right? It's like if you want to get to the well. other side, you have to just go over one of the passes, right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, that's cool. I'd love to spend a winter season in, in the South Island for sure. That'd be cool. Mm, we were there. We were th- oh, the Remarkables with snow cover would be pretty cool, hey? Pretty sweet. They look pretty cool without snow. I'm sure they look dope with it. We were pretty much at Queenstown at like sometime in late May. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much absolutely freezing to camp by that point. And so we, with two fully loaded bicycles, having like six bags attached to each bike, Managed to hitchhike from Queenstown to the Bay of Islands in North North Island. Mm-hmm. We pretty much went from the bottom to the top in, in like two weeks, I think. That's all it took to hitch. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And you had no problems hitching at all year? No. That's good. No. New Zealand's very hitchhiker friendly. They're pretty used to it by now. When I got to New Zealand, I landed without a plan in, in Auckland. And I was like, this This is how naive I was as a, as a 19-year-old uh, getting to Auckland. I thought that I could walk from the airport to my hostel. Oh, yeah? And then I was like, well, the airport from uh, Edmonton, like, where the international airport is for Edmonton, is quite a trek to Edmonton itself. Yeah. Like, maybe I should turn around. I was walking for five minutes. Like, maybe I should turn around and get on a bus or something like that. So I got the bus, and we were driving. We, it must have been about a two-hour bus trip. And I was like, well, this would have been terrible because Auckland is just so massive in the size of it. Like, there's not a whole lot of people, but it's just super spread out. Uh Like, all the different cities and stuff like that that are just kind of, like, absorbed by Auckland. Like, what is it? I think the airport's close to, like, what is it called? Manico City or something like that? I can't remember. I'm going to butcher it. All our Kiwi listeners have just turned it off now. Uh Um, But, yeah, it was a hell of a time. And I get to... I get to Auckland, and I'm at the hostel, and I'm like, well, am I going to buy a car for a month? That seems stupid. Do I just rent a vehicle? That seems expensive. And then, like, I'm looking through those, you know, hostel magazines, and it's just like, oh, you can, you can jump on a bus, hop on, hop off. But I was also thinking about possibly hitchhiking or just talking to people about, you know, jumping on with them if they're looking for an extra person, selling petrol or whatever. But, yeah, I saw this uh, bus thing. So there's the Kiwi Experience. The sex experience, there's always the joke for it. Oh, yeah. And then there's the naked bus, which is very cheap because um, there's just, like, no frills at all or anything like that. Okay. And then there's Magic Bus. Now, from the, what I got on with Magic Bus was from Auckland all the way down to Christchurch. Okay. So kind of like a backwards J. And it was hop on, hop off, however many times you wanted, for a whole year. And I think it costed me... It costed me? It cost me... Uh, I think 300 bucks what? it was half off and That's you'd have crazy distance and you had all these different stops like you went off and like Rotorua and like tapo and lake wanaka like that's way further south mind you but like wellington and then it, it, you'd have to buy your ferry ticket 
and then you get across, and then you get picked up by the bus there at the ferry terminal. The Inter Islanders, pretty sweet, eh? Oh, fuck yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. But yeah, so you had all these different stops, and you could stay there as many as long as you'd like for up to a year in each stop. Uh, they would book the hostels for you. You, you would, uh, you know, all this other kind of stuff. They'd organize little parties if you like, you know, if you wanted to be a part of them. Uh, you get drink tickets when you went to certain bars or whatever. And you said, oh, I'm with Magic Bus. They'd give you, like, a free drink or something like that. What? Yeah, it was pretty sweet. I don't think I heard tell this. You just had to, you just had to look at certain um, uh, dates that the bus would come through your town. So right. that would be in Nelson. It's like, okay, well, when's the next bus coming through? Oh, you either have to leave Wednesday or Friday or Sunday or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to plan your, your trip. So... Um, after that, there was Greymouth and Franz Joseph, and yeah, it was it was wicked, man. So if you wanted to spend a bit more time at one location than another one, you could do that. So you know, Greymouth, you see everything you want to see pretty quickly, yeah. and so you go to Franz Joseph, and that's pretty cool. But you see everything you want to see pretty quickly if you do the tours. And then Queenstown, I think we stayed for like five days, and we were there for Halloween, which is a great time. Uh, and Dunedin, I really liked Dunedin. That was really cool. I didn't get down to Dunedin. Yeah. And then it's also a battle of who do you want to travel with because you make friends on the bus. So then it's like, oh well, maybe I'll catch up with you in, in Dunedin. I'm gonna stay in, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right to, uh, you know, I'm gonna hang out in Queenstown a little bit longer, but I'll see you in Christchurch or something like that. And then at Christchurch, it was all over, and I just hopped over from Christchurch to Melbourne, met up with a buddy I worked with Forestry here, and he's from Australia. So. No, it was good, but yeah, yeah. So that was the that was the funny thing is I was just like I look back at it now I'm like I was a fucking idiot of a kid <laughs> like just went to New Zealand like oh how am I gonna get around this country hmm we don't really know yet so you figured it out in a I pretty good way figured it out and found a really good deal yeah I like it. well sometimes and like well Pete you know he sent me this uh, website for really cheap uh, trains for like all over the world but uh-huh. like uh, focusing on uh, Europe mind you and that's seat sixty nine seat sixty one sixty one get your head uh, out of the gutter. <laughs> 69, it's hilarious. <laughs> I really did. I thought, but yeah, seat 61. That was very close, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's actually been really helpful. Yeah, uh, I've just been reading that a little bit. Especially for Europe, eh? Oh, my God, it's just crazy. Yeah, and it's but... like, what, what, would it be worth it to go to the airport and like, get a really cheap flight? Well, with the airport, you got to get there like two hours ahead of time, and then you have to go to the security, and you can only carry so much weight, and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you, know, you also have to get the transportation to the airport. Whereas, you know, maybe with the train station, you just get to the train station. It's true. And it's just a walk away or something like that. So. And then it's the experience of a train versus a plane. Trains too. are pretty cool. And then, like, how long are you traveling for? Can you just do an overnighter? And that saves you some time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it saves you money from having to go to a fucking hostel or hotel and pay for a room. So, yep. no, it's all very, very, very interesting. And it was a very good uh, <clears throat> website. The beauties of having friends that know things. And Pete's good at that, eh? Pete is... He should be a travel guy. He should write his own little book. He's just, like, he's seen a lot, and he's just really good. How to get dual citizenship from Pete. How to win everything. <laughs> how, to be, how to be a geologist, firefighter, and travel the world on $100. <laughs> Yeah. How did you do that? My goodness. I should be interviewing him next time. Yeah, you should. Pick his brain. Yeah. He'd probably fall asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to wake him up, and then it'd be impossible to wake him up. Sleepy a lot. <laughs> He's like a sloth. He's the sloth from uh, Zootopia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so after New Zealand and Australia, you came back home? Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, it's pretty funny. So, like, when you go to New Zealand, you have to you have to show your return ticket, right? You can't just go there with a one way. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I had to tell them like I was going to Australia this day. Right. Yeah. So that, we yeah. had that happen to us. And our plan was to try to hitch sail from New Zealand to Asia. Oh. So we had to try to convince the airlines, like, listen, we don't have a plane ticket, but we we are leaving. We don't want to stay in New Zealand. We will be leaving. We had to try to convince <laughs> What them. do you mean you don't want to stay here? Yeah. You don't like it? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they really do. There's like, just either tell us you're leaving or don't come to begin with kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's very much like Australia. Even Australia is much more strict. And then once I realized that was just this is the first time I just expo- experienced that. So yeah. then once I you know went to different islands and stuff, same thing. They want to know you're going to leave because there's no other way to physically leave unless mm. you're doing a plane, which most people think, or sailboat, which was the way, the only way you could do it back in the day, and the way that we <laughs> wanted to do it. And it was hard to convince them that I was going to do it that way. So we actually did the loophole of getting a ret- um, a refundable ticket. 
Oh, okay. Cost like twenty five hundred dollars a ticket, just a stupid amount of money. Yeah. Pretty scary. It was like, man, I hope this works, and it totally did. And so once we were in New Zealand for a couple of months, we just went like to refund that ticket, and bada bing, now we're in New Zealand, and that's uh, all good. Oh shit, that's handy. So sailing season for New Zealand is usually May time. The trade winds start around May, and they send you towards Asia way. Um, we didn't actually leave till August. Climate change. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen? So we, we started we started hitchhiking like early May, mm-hmm. the bottom to get to the top where the sailboats would be leaving from. Yeah. And we got to the top, like I said, about two weeks' time. So we were at peak season, we thought, and everybody's like, no, we're not going anywhere. No one's leaving yet. And so we're like, okay. Um, and then we found a German guy. Um, I don't even oh we were in wellington and we made friends with this kiwi who is saying that he has he's having a going away party for his friend you should come with us guys you should come with me guys because my friend's actually going on a sailboat to fiji you should pick his brain on how you're going to get a sailing boat to asia and so that guy actually gave us his contact this german guy him and his wife sailed all around the world from germany and landed in new zealand had a child and sort of settled roots there um and we lived with them for about a month helping us build basically finished their boat making it seaworthy and then we sailed to the island of new caledonia have mm-hmm. you heard of it i have Nouvelle caledonie mm-hmm. i met so. some guys on um one of the planes i think i was flying to melbourne and they're from new caledonia oh really yeah they're part of the uh what's the sport called where you're running and then you shoot the pistols it's like a biathlon, but instead of uh, cross oh, skiing, you're, you're, you're running, and then you have a pistol, and then you shoot the pistol, and you hit the targets, and then you keep running. Interesting. Like, like it's like a marathon, and you're shooting things. Do you run with a gun in your hand? Uh, they, have, they have the guns at certain oh, stations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just right. sidearm, shoot the guys behind it's you. Gotta be Get out of here! Quit chasing me! Run with the horse and shoot. Well, that makes more sense, like, because, you know, like, it's like Western style, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, ha! Ah. Gotta keep that gun in a holster, man. Yeah. You can't just have a holster just slapping against your leg. Yeah. These are men. They already have something else slapping against their leg. <laughs> I wish I, my I, wish I had a picture of that face right mine. there. Anyway, you're getting the sail, though. So we sailed to New Caledonia. The passage was nine days. It's my first time being on a sailboat. I was totally both... My partner and I were completely green, never had sailed before. Speaking of green, we both got seasick. Of course. Um, she was seasick for like three days. I luckily was only about a half hour. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like we were in this bay, and it was a quite a large bay. It's called the Bay of Islands in New Zealand. I know of it, yeah. Yeah, so big-ass bay. Obviously, it's sheltered, but like still chop, lots of chop. Mm-hmm. And we went on quite a bit of day sails and stuff so that the skipper could kind of get a feel for us and see if we were going to yak everywhere or whatnot. And the day we actually set sail and we leave, it's like this invisible wall. It's like you've officially left the bay now and you're going to get seasick. It was crazy. (laughs) I'm looking at the water. I'm feeling queasy. I'm looking at the bay, looking at the open. I'm like, both ocean looks the same, same amount of waves, same consistency. Why do I feel shit now? It was so (laughs) peculiar. And so it happened so fast. I was just like, I was on the helm. And then I was like, I asked my Scottish guy that I met who was on my crew, I asked him to take over for me. I went to the bow and I was just like trying to, trying to deal. And then I went inside to the, inside the, in the boat and just was sitting on the, the kitchen table, put like my head down and it just progressed. This was in like the span of like 10 minutes. And then I went to my cabin and I laid down horizontal and then I threw up and was just like totally out of it for about like about an hour. And then I came through and. I got lucky, and but my, my Christina, my partner, she was sick for like three days. Oh. But yeah, we were in New Caledonia. We had not planned to go there in our travels. We knew we wanted to do Tasmania. We knew we wanted to do New Zealand, and we knew we wanted to do most of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. New Caledonia wasn't on the list. In fact, when the skipper, we met him, and he said, I'm going to New Caledonia. We said, one moment, please let me look up where that is, that is and what that is. So we had no idea. Um, so we had a plan, and you are trying to sell us to the pirates. <laughs> yeah. And how big was the boat again? Oh, it was an 18-meter steel catch. Okay. Yeah. It was a big one. Yeah, big. Yeah. yeah, yeah it was a like big here. boat, and we had six crew and then the skipper. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a Scottish guy named Tom, absolute beauty, um, uh, an Italian named Matteo, who was sick the entire nine days. Oh, good boy. It was brutal. At one point, actually, 
I was I was on watch and I had just came back down into the I keep on to say machine like I'm talking about the helicopter. <laughs> I went back down into the boat, um, and they had just dragged Mateo out of his his cabin. He was I've never seen a human so white. He was so like all just so flush. Yeah. And he hadn't eaten or drinking water for about eight days. Good lord. Just wasn't doing that himself. poor guy. Yeah. He finally found out what his what his strategy was. He was talking about back when he was a kid. Him and his cousins would go into the Mediterranean to go fishing, and they'd they'd get sick because they'd not see people. Like yeah. he just wasn't a good sea person, yeah. and they'd have to spend like most of the day just being horizontal and just not eating or drinking was what got them through that. So he took that mindset and said, "I'll do that he for eight days straight." It. Oh God! So we were furious. We were like, "Mateo, we've been giving you bread and water and little things every day, and now we found his little hoard. He had just been stuffing it in the corner of his cabin the whole time." Because he just couldn't couldn't keep down or whatever. Yeah. And so he came out of there. He couldn't feel anything from his basically his forearms down. He had no feeling. He couldn't even like control them. He it was terrifying, man. No so shit. The skipper even like put a pam pam on the the radio for a distress call, and we got nothing. And that's even scarier. And that's even scarier because <laughs> you're like, what if we were in trouble? Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. trouble, trouble. I wasn't telling my parents that story because they were already like, <laughs> pretty not supportive of me, like being on a sailboat across with, the, with some strangers. Yeah, with some strangers. This German guy was a pretty piece of work too. So like, I just didn't even. Yeah, both my sailing experiences, the skippers weren't that great, but sailors have a pretty crazy life. Of course, yeah. So anyway, um, New Caledonia, we. Just when we first got there, we were really lucky. Tom, our our, our crewmate, he brought his kilt. Everywhere he travels, he brings a kilt and his white shirt with like a button up with him to go nice. to the bars. Yes. And he found a sweet gaggle of guys um, that we ended up being like they. Gaggle of guys. They hosted us for the rest of the time we were in New Caledonia. It was amazing. We, the skipper who was quite a cunt, like the next day was like we had scheduled for one more day on the boat with him. Um, we're paying $50 a day to do this boat ride, which is quite expensive, but we oh, wanted it for the experience. Mm-hmm. And had we have wanted to go to New Caledonia via plane, it would have been about the same. Mm-hmm. So we're like, fuck it, we're going to New Caledonia anyway, so we'll just do get this. The experience, yeah. We'll get the experience, we'll pay for it. So anyway, we had one more free day, and he made us, he wanted us to pay. We were sitting at the dock in New Caledonia, he said, yeah, if you guys want to sleep here tonight, it's going to be $50. We're like... Martin, man, we lived with you and your wife during your guys' shitty fucking marriage. They're awful to each other. And we had to, like, help you make your boat seaworthy so she could sail. And you're going to make us pay $100 tonight to sleep on the boat. He's like, yeah. So we said, stuff that. And we we just called up this... Grab your stuff. And- we just called the French guy that we had met in the bar the night before. And we said, can we put pitch our tent on your garden? And it's our tent stayed there for the rest of, like, the almost two months we were in New Caledonia. You were there for two months? Just about. Holy moly. Again, totally unexpected. So the next day, we put this cheeky ad up in the marina of Christina and I, this goofy picture of us saying two hard-working Canadians, you know, tree planters willing, <laughs> willing to do anything to, well, to sail. Well, trees to, to get to land. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. On the ocean. Yeah. We'll make a garden for you. <laughs> anything to get us to Asia. And then we just basically um, hitch, um, hitchhiked around because they told we had our our, our, bike, our bikes with us mm-hmm. and every kanak which is the indigenous people there or the french told us um the drunk driving's insane there really like the roads are amazing the yeah. the states came in there during the second world war when japan had asia mm-hmm. pretty by the balls and sense, they yeah. just totally made roads and just like totally sort of lucky set them up yeah so amazing roads a lot of drunk people, indigenous people, like everywhere in the world, right? You yeah, of course. Drunk yeah. Maoris, you have drunk indigenous Canadians everywhere, right? You yeah. just had that problem. Um, so we were just like, and fair enough, it was a death a, day, a death, a death a day. A death in, a day. In that country. Jesus. It's just insane, like, that they haven't really just, like, cracked down on it anymore. It's just, like, the <laughs> or ran out of really people. <laughs> yeah, or that. There's just no, no infrastructure to change that stat. It just was that way. So we're like, fair enough, that sounds awful. We won't be, we won't be cycling. Thanks for that. So... Mm-hmm. Anyway, after two months, we came back to the marina, and there was a little number scribbled on our ad. So we called them up, and it was this French guy. The number on your ad? On our ad. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I guess you didn't have a phone with you, eh? Yeah, that makes sense. They just go back so to the ad like, all the We time. have Skype, so if you can Skype us, that was, that was it. We didn't, yeah, we had, we had shitty, shitty comms. Um, his name was Yves. He was from Nice, south of France. He was 66. 
He was a bit of a geek, actually, for a 66-year-old. Like, he had an iPad. He had all these gadgets. He was, techie, eh? he was a techie dude. Um, and his sailboat was so, so swanky. It was crazy. We went from this 18-meter steel catch, which is like you're yelling at the other guy on the other side to, like, pull in the line. And it's like you go to this boat. It's a 13-meter fiberglass glorious little catch. All the lines from the sails ran right into like the main part of the cabin and they all had these individual locks, like these safety locks. So like he was just like, and his, his English was really bad and that was the biggest kicker for us is Christina's French was all right. She can get by. My French was pretty shite. Yeah. So I, you know, if I know one word in a sentence, I'm not really having a conversation with you. I know that you're saying chicken. I know that you're saying rice. I know that you're saying, you know, yeah. you're happy, but I don't know what you're saying really. Um, but, like, he just showed us at the first time just to realize how swanky and how set up he was. He was just like, take take the, the main sail, take the line, you put the line, put it on the on the winch. And then I was looking for the little the little sort of handle to crank the winch. He's like, no, no, the button. You press the button, <laughs> it's a powered winch. All of a sudden, <laughs> it goes for you. Instead of being on this 18-meter stitch, like, I'm pulling it, I'm pulling it. <laughs> this was just like all the lines. There's nothing tangled. It all came right in there. You throw the winch around. You un undo the safety lock, press the button. The whole mainsail goes up. No way. Just like easy peasy. So he's just traveling by himself. He was by himself, and the reason the reason why he picked us was because he was he was lonely. He wanted to like he wanted someone to share to share his experience. Mm -hmm. um, and he we only just split food. That's all we did. There was no paying. No kidding. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. just like when we leave New Caledonia, we will split three ways. When we land in the next island, Indonesia, we'll go to the markets. We'll split three ways. Same thing. So that Perfect. that passage was 20 days, open ocean, till we saw land, and then we went another week with them coastal sailing, mm -hmm. the different islands of Indonesia. And then we had a pretty terrible falling out. It was straight out of a movie. It was pretty. Next week on the awkward throat clear, will Keegan make it to Southeast Asia? What happens with the mysterious Eve? And the full details of the falling out. That's next week on The Awkward Throat Clear.